Today on The Family Answer Man, we're answering your questions about coming to Christ and depression around the holidays from a biblical worldview on The Family Answer Man program. This is David Orgis, and I am here with Dr. Mark Crosby, The Family Answer Man. This time is designed to answer questions commonly asked in both the counseling and church settings, and our goal is to answer general questions from a biblical worldview through the lens of our collective years of experience and education to help you, our listeners, have a stronger, healthier, and happier family. Now, we want to thank the incredible people at Winter's Air and Day's Smokehouse and Specialty Meats for underwriting today's show. Winter's Air is located in Denham Springs and services the Denham Springs and surrounding areas. And Day's Smokehouse is located at 35770 LA Highway 16, just north of Denham Springs. Now this show is not a therapy session and this is not specific advice to your situation. Mental health is a serious issue. Family dynamics can be and often are very complicated and dynamic. So for in-depth answers about your questions, we encourage you to seek professional counsel specific to your unique circumstances. We do hope that this episode of The Family Answer Man will encourage you and inspire you to make the changes that will lead to a stronger, healthier, and happier family. Again, I am David Orgis, and I am joined by Dr. Mark Crosby. And Dr. Mark, it is the first week in December, and that means that the holidays are right around the corner. Um, in yeah, I mean, that's exciting uh, for us, and I think for most of our listening audience, um, the Christmas uh, holiday is a season. It is. You know, it begins, you know, as I've said before, for me, on Thanksgiving Eve, and it goes all the way to New Year's Day. But you're right, after Thanksgiving, you know, all focus is now on the Christmas season, and between now and Christmas Day, there's going to be parties and fellowship, and there's going to be cantatas, and there's going to be special services and uh, office gatherings, and the list could go on, basically to hopefully celebrate, you know, the season, but most importantly, to celebrate the birth of Messiah. And so, again, it is an exciting time, uh, and it's the most interesting time in the sense that this season no matter where you land in your faith, whether you're a uh, born-again believer, you know, that you love the Lord, you're saved by grace through faith, you know that, or if God is just kind of on the periphery, He's not the focal point of your life, but even for those who say, well, you know, I kind of believe, I'm not sure what I believe, the Christmas season still impacts these individuals. The Christmas season still affects, you know, a lot of the traditions and a lot of the holidays and a lot of the... Um, uh, events that they're involved in. And so, again, it is a unique season both for the Christian as well as for those individuals who maybe con- are considered unchurched or on you know, just the fence, so to speak, of, of what faith is all about. So it's an exciting time. It's a unique time. And in many cases, it can be a wonderful time. That's right. My nine-year-old had a conversation with me. Uh, it was the day after Halloween, and she said, oh, uh, we're driving to school, and she said, oh, Dad, it's uh, it's time to play Christmas music. And I said, oh, no, no, not in our family. It's it's Thanksgiving time. And she said, no, Dad, Christmas is a season, and Thanksgiving is a day in the middle of it. <laughs> to which I uh, we argued, but um, we played Christmas music. I let her win out. So, But it is. It's a really exciting yeah. time, and it's a great time yeah. for us to um, to recenter ourselves and, and, like you said, focus whether um, you know we have a growing, thriving relationship with Jesus Christ or whether, like you said, God is on the 
periphery. Yeah. So that kind of brings us to our first question sure. today is um, maybe somebody that had recently been in that process mm-hmm. of uh, having a closer relationship with God. The first question that's written in for the Family Answer Man today says, I have recently become a Christian and I'm struggling with having a church life and still having my old life and my old friends. Mm. I don't want to cut out all the people that I love out of my life, so I'm very conflicted. I'm supposed to feel joy and peace as a Christian, but I actually feel depressed. Please help. Wow. Yeah, that is something that, again, I'm afraid that many in our listening audience, maybe many of our pastors, maybe many of our churches, may not fully be aware as to the challenge and the struggle. Here's what I mean by that. Um, not everyone was raised in church. For many of us who are listening today on this program, uh, church was a way of life, or is a way of life. Uh, We grew up in church. Uh, Our friends went to church. Our family all went to church. Uh, Many of us remember going to vacation Bible school and church camps as as kids. Many of us hopefully have fond memories of of our youth group growing up. And so church and vacation Bible school and Sunday school and some of the other uh, programs of our particular uh, faith uh, was a very important part of our life. Uh, maybe later on, uh, after high school, you attended a Christian uh, college, or maybe you even attended a Christian high school. Uh, you went to retreats, you went to conferences, you went to concerts, are all Christ-centered. And so your family traditions and your family holidays all centered around church and Jesus and faith. So for most of us, that was a way of life. However, there is a growing number of people, thankfully, that, again, are experiencing salvation later in life. In other words, maybe they didn't have that experience growing up. Maybe they weren't raised in a Christian home. Maybe their friends were not Christians. Maybe church camp was ever something they experienced. And so what happens is these individuals who are saved, born again, become followers of Jesus later in life, now they have some unique challenges. And what I call these challenges is a clash of the kingdoms. And what I mean by that is, so you have this newfound belief, you're following Jesus, you're, you're born again, you're excited about your faith, you're convinced that Jesus is Messiah and you believe in him for everlasting life. But there's these old beliefs that are still there weighing heavily in your heart and mind. All those what if questions, all those what about questions that you heard maybe in college or in philosophy class that really kind of continue to um, work in your life and kind of kind of plague your your mind, so to speak, because you you haven't quite worked through some of those things. Right, and that's a an old framework that you you view the world through instead of change a framework that you see the world through. Right. We talk a lot on this program, the Family Answer Man. We mm-hmm. want to see and answer questions from a biblical worldview, right. right? And so that can be difficult. Yeah, because you have this old uh, secular worldview of seeing world, of seeing life, of seeing you know. Uh, just, you know, people and situations and circumstances. But now as a follower of Jesus, you have this new belief. Not only that, but there's this new lifestyle Mm. compared to the old lifestyle. And again, sometimes our old lifestyle had habits and it had maybe even addictions and it had perhaps um, relationships that were not, again, conducive to the Word of God, did not line up with the Word of God, not conducive to being you know, a follower of Jesus, so to speak. And so what happens is you have all of these old habits, these old relationships that you're having now to, to work through, to manage, uh, to try to understand. And so the point is, number two, therefore not everyone is going to appreciate your new faith. 
Uh, if you're a believer and um, you're maybe in your 20s or 30s and you're a new believer and you're a follower of Jesus and you're not uh, used or accustomed to having people uh, in your life that went to church or were people of faith, they may now try to challenge you. You know, what do you mean you followed Jesus? What What is that all about? You didn't become one of those religious types, did you? That kind of thing. And, and they start having to hear some of this. Uh, some will walk away. Uh, if, you, if you don't embrace their philosophy, if you don't embrace how they say things, they will walk away from you now that you are a follower of Jesus. Uh, some will even try to tempt you. Uh, maybe you had an old habit that uh, you were kind of known for, and they're like, "Oh, you know, you can you can do this again. One more won't hurt. You know, you can go there. You can you can see this person or whatever." And there's that con- you know conflict inside of you that you're trying to you know create this new life and you're trying to follow Jesus, but there's these old temptations that keep, continue to keep coming up. Well, I think that's a great point that yeah. that it. You know, something that is obviously a a very good thing coming to faith in Christ. Exactly. Still produces conflict because it's at odds with our old life, the old nature. Exactly. And so, and Jesus spoke to this in, in Luke 12, 51, he talked about that there will be, you know, even in your own family, perhaps division, you know, mm-hmm. father against son, mother against daughter, uh, over who Jesus is and following him. And so this becomes reality. Now, the thing is, most of us never hear this uh, from maybe our pastors or from our Sunday school teacher, but it is a reality, especially if you come to faith, I would argue, later in life where most of your friends may not be Christians. And so how do I now navigate through this? How do I now, you know, follow Jesus, but yet and still I don't want to isolate, as this person is saying, I don't want to isolate, you know, my family or my friends. And so, again, as followers of Jesus, we must realize that we have to be loving, we have to be gracious to anyone and everyone, Uh, our old friends, uh, our new friends, whoever that may be. But again, we must remember we're a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anybody is in Christ, they're a new creature. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. So you are a new person. And with that being said, we then have to hear the words of Jesus again when he said, no one can serve two masters. For you will love one and you'll hate the other. So as a follower of Jesus, there is something about us that, again, uh, is called to change. There's something about us that is saying, you know, my new master, if you will, is the Messiah. It's Jesus. He's my Lord. Not me, not my old friends, not my old way of life, but now it's Jesus. So what do we do? What, What do we do? And this person is asking this question. What do we do? Number one, and this may sound very elementary, but it's, again, I think very powerful. The basics, you know, never go away, right? So the first thing we are called to do, we're called to find a church or a fellowship that we can connect to. Mm. What I mean by that is this, not every church is for everyone. And I think we've discovered that over the years. Uh, Some churches have a certain uh, worship style. Some churches have a certain population. Some churches have a, a certain emphasis. We need to find a church. We need to find a fellowship, if you will, that we can connect to. So if this person maybe is single and in their 20s or 30s, maybe finding a church that, again, has that population, you know, that's thriving in it. Uh, if maybe if his concerns is how to uh, how do I defend my faith, maybe find a church that has a very strong emphasis on apologetics, you know, defending the faith. Uh, if this person maybe had a bad experience in church and just now kind of coming back to faith, okay, finding a church that emphasizes on how to uh, restore those who have left the church or who had a bad experience in church. 
but find a church, find a fellowship that you can connect to. That may take some time. That may take some effort. That may take, you know, some investigating, if you will. So it's not going to be a maybe a one and done. You uh, come to Christ, say, "Hey, I'm going to try out this church." You didn't like it, and well, that means church isn't for me. Exactly. I mean, I mean, uh, you may be raised in a certain church or a certain tradition. Uh, maybe as a child, or maybe you went to one, you know, on the ho- during the holidays, whatever. And maybe that church is for you, but maybe it's not. Or, or maybe again. That church does not have the population or does not have the teaching style or the worship style that speaks to where you are. So it does require you know, some listening, some investigating, mm-hmm. you know, doing your homework, so to speak, to find the church that I think can speak to your particular need and have a population of people that will, again, understand who you are, where you are, et cetera. Number two, uh, find a small group or Bible study where you can be discipled or even counseled. Uh, small groups are powerful. They're important. And going to church is great. There's no substitute for going to church. But I'll also argue that during the week, that small group, that cell group, as they're called in some churches, that Bible study, where you can go to a person's home or maybe even even at a, in a church setting, where you can sit with a group of eight or 10 or 12 people and let them kind of hear your story, uh, listen to their story. Listen to what the Bible says about your particular situation or circumstance. This is also where relationships are formed. Uh, this is where you meet new friends, new like-minded you know, believers. Uh, so again, there's, it's powerful to find that small group. Yeah, there's a, a great quote that um, a guy named Reggie Joyner, uh, he says a, a lot of times, he says, he says, some truths are best processed in the context of a small group. You mm-hmm. can hear things from your pastor from right. stage, but being able to talk about those things with other people, like you right. said, that you fit with, that you've connected with, and that you can discuss those things together right. and really apply those to your lives can be really powerful. Well, dialogue is always powerful. Dialogue is always important. And dialogue begins to speak to your specific situation, your specific circumstance, your specific question, and you get to unpack that a little bit more. Uh, also, too, thirdly, uh, you don't have to necessarily cut all the people out of your life. I think this person is struggling with that concern. But as a new believer, you need to have clear boundaries as to what you won't do, uh, where you won't go, and what you won't participate in. That's important to note. You need to have those clear boundaries. Um, you don't have to cut people out of your life, but you do have to be a witness. You do have to say to yourself, what are my boundaries, and have those boundaries and make sure you can clearly define those boundaries. Maybe even invite your old friends and family, invite them to church. You know, that's a wonderful witness. You know, it, there's some friends that maybe you used to hang with, and now you're going to church, and they're not quite sure what this is all about. Be that witness. Invite them to church. Invite them to that conference. Invite them to that concert. Invite them to that small group. Uh, one of the blessings I'll talk about in a moment for me uh, in this situation, because because I was in that situation as well, was that a couple of my very best friends, you know, came to know the Lord around the same time, and that was an exciting, meaningful thing for me. And so it was a blessing. But some of my friends didn't. But it was exciting to know that these individuals would go on this journey with me, so to speak. But invite them to church. Invite them to a conference. Invite them to a concert and see what the Lord does in their life. Um, Next, I will argue, stay in the Word of God. I will say that my greatest and fastest growth as a Christian was in those early months and Mm. first couple of years as a follower of Jesus because I stayed in the Word daily. Uh, it was just something that I loved doing, something that I had the opportunity to do, something that, again, it gave me 
just a lot of uh, affirmation and insight and just, you know, increase my faith. But you're staying in the Word of God, reading books that, again, uh, appeal to where you are in life, if it's apologetics or how to defend your faith, or if it's a particular subject like prophecy or grace or whatever it may be. But really, you know, pour yourself into some of this research in the Bible, into these uh, books that really uh, increase your faith, and let the Lord just really work, you know, a mighty work in your heart by staying in the Word and growing in knowledge. Right. I mean, anytime you're connected, Jesus said it, you know, when we abide in him, we're mm-hmm. connected to the vine. So we stay connected to our source of life. We stay full of exactly. life. Yeah, I mean, you're right. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. And so the more we stay in worship, the more we stay in the word, the more we stay in fellowship, you know, I think the greater uh, our faith is going to become. And I think the greater uh, we'll be able to manage temptations that come our way. But the bottom line is this, is that living the Christian life, it does have joy and it does create peace, but only when, only when you follow Jesus. Hmm. And what I mean by that is this principle that Jesus said is very clear. You cannot serve two masters for you will love one and hate the other. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to make a stand. Sometimes you have to do your homework. Sometimes you have to uh, embrace and invite uh, new friends, new uh, you know, Christian friends, if you'll enter your life. Being a Christian, I think, is an adventure, but it's not always easy. Mm. Yeah, I think that's something that's overlooked a lot or glossed over that people don't necessarily mm. highlight or warn someone that is coming to Christ yeah. that this is not just a cakewalk at the mm-hmm. fair where everybody wins a prize. Right. And at first, people are excited for you. At first, people are really, you know, just rejoicing with you. Uh, but the reality is the adventure has now begun. Mm-hmm. But this adventure, this journey is not always easy. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have uh, those that will receive you and those who will reject you. You'll have those that will want to uh, really pat you on the back and those who want to persecute you. And the reality is that persecution, uh, even here now in this culture, in, in our own country, persecution is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, not every boss, not every teacher, not every professor. Uh, in some cases, not every pastor is going to really uh, be encouraging seeing your new walk with the Lord, um, which I know sounds a little strange, but but I've seen that. You know, um, being abandoned, uh, being derided as a believer uh, can be a reality. Uh, in other words, your faith will be tested. This is why fellowship, Christian friendship, small groups, personal discipleship, uh, even Christian counseling is so very important. Uh, again, uh, just real briefly, I know 42 years ago or so, I left everything I knew and I grew up in Northeast Texas and moved to Baton Rouge, um, fresh out of college. And so with the exception of some extended family members, I didn't know anybody in the greater Baton Rouge area. And so one of the first things that I began to do is I began to look for a church that kind of fit you know, my situation, um, my you know, season of life, if you will. And I found this amazing church with some amazing people, made some lifelong friends, and it became just a wonderful life. It was a joyful life. It was a meaningful life. Uh, the people that I met, I still you know, consider them my brothers and sisters to this day, 42 years later. Uh, it was just a great time. Uh, but I will say this, had I not done that, had I not found this fellowship, had I not found this group of believers, uh, my life would have been miserable. Mm. It would, have, it would have been, and because 
on one hand, I knew what the Lord wanted from me, but on the other hand, you know, trying to find that fellowship, trying to you know have that um, that 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 connection was so very important. And so these individuals, again, I got, again, it was a God thing. God just led me to this church and to these people, and it was one of the greatest you know moments and and seasons of my life. But you have to do your work. You know, Jesus said, "Ask and you'll receive. Seek, and you'll find." Knock. It's a lot of action, and it'll be open. Yeah. You know, and then he goes on to say, "You have not because you ask not." So, so we have to do, if you will, our part in this regard: ask and seek and knock. Mm-hmm. But if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. Yes, indeed, that's an incredible story. I'm glad you shared your story about getting connected when you first moved to mm-hmm. Baton Rouge and, and getting connected to a body of believers and. Uh, the way that that impacted you. Yeah, and, and, and the church was amazing, but also, too, the, we had some small groups, and we had fellowship, and we had, you know, uh, just opportunities between, you know, from Sunday to Sunday to get together and do mm-hmm. things. It was just an amazing time, and it really did, you know, uh, increase my faith and gave me that joy and that peace that we all desire. And I think that highlights a great point that, um, you know, you mentioned that the Christian life is not always easy, but it's it not. is always worth it. Exactly. And exactly. I think that's what it comes down to. So I hope this person, you know, will hear this and um, just kind of follow through with, with some of this. Yeah. Absolutely. And congratulations on uh, giving your life to Christ and committing to follow him. Yes. That's a huge decision. Yes. And, uh, and we do all support you in that. Yeah. Uh, so our second question today on the Family Answer Man comes in, and uh, the question is, why does it seem uh, like people seem to suffer with depression during the holidays? And I guess the follow-up to that is, uh, how do you help with that, or what can you do about that? Yeah, that seems to be a common theme uh, and thread, if you will, for a lot of people. And there are some uh, psychotherapists that will, again, uh, affirm the fact that maybe depression does spike uh, during the holiday season. Here's what we know. The holidays are a unique time. They are a unique time of the year. Those you know, four to six weeks are unlike any other time of year. Uh, getting together can be exciting. But for some, it can be stressful. And so this is one of the things that we struggle with, if you will, during the holiday season. Getting together is great. It's fun. It's exciting. But it's stressful because, um, you know, we have to give up our home and have our family over. And and there's uh, an altering, you know, routine, if you will. Um, And so that's the first thing. Number two, how we view the holidays, I think, are important. The question is, do we see it as a time of focusing on God's blessing or is it a time that I have to perform? What mm. I mean by that is this. That's pretty deep. Say well, that again. Say it again. So, so one more time. So is it a time that we focus on God's blessing? Or do we see the holidays as a time when I have to perform? And mm. what I mean by that is this. Uh, for some people, expectations uh, are so great during during the holidays that they are beyond possib- possibility. Uh, you know, in other words, I have to perform by buying the perfect gift. Mm. If I don't get my kids what they want, they'll have a bad Christmas. If we don't uh, have the perfect meal, you know, if we don't have the perfect decorations, if we don't have the perfect, you know, Christmas party, the reality is that when you put that level of expectation on yourself, eventually you're going to fail. And for a lot of people, failure equals depression. And for some people, depression equals failure. And so the reality is that 
when you create these great expectations during the holiday season, you're putting so much stress on you. You're putting so much pressure on you. You're, you're having to perform that, again, it becomes very depressing if it does not pan out. Again, one of the great movies, uh, the TV version, I will argue, is uh, <laughs> Christmas Vacation. You know, there's Clark Griswold who wants this perfect, perfect, you know, Christmas you know, with all the family there and everyone's there and he's got this perfect Christmas and he's going to announce his Christmas bonus and nothing goes right. And the reason why I think we all love that movie is because we can all see a little bit of ourselves in that movie on some level. Because that's what we do. We, we put these expectations on us. For some, their lifestyle has changed. Uh, this is the reason why there is a sense of depression for some during the holidays because their lifestyle has changed. Maybe there was a death in the family. Mm. Uh, maybe there was a divorce. Uh, maybe the kids have moved away and you're not going to see them this Christmas. And so this lifestyle change creates you know, some unique challenges, maybe being lonely for the first time, maybe being alone for the first time, maybe not having the kids around for the first time. And so sometimes this can be a little depressing, especially during the holiday season. All these emotions are now amplified. So the question this person is asking, what can be done? Again, this is a great time to reach out to family, but maybe the family that you don't see that often. Maybe that family member that you haven't heard from in a while, that cousin, that aunt, that uncle. Um, so send them maybe a card. Send them maybe a gift. Uh, send something nice to someone who maybe doesn't expect it. Number two, it's a great time to do something through your church. Uh, maybe create a fellowship or a gathering, maybe of new members, or maybe of single, again, folks that you put together, uh, that you do especially for them. Maybe you put together a group to go caroling. That sounds a little cliche. That sounds, you know, but it, it really is, I think, again, a very fun part of the holiday that you can put together, uh, bring people together and do something that would be fun and interesting, you know, for someone else. Um also, bring a group uh, to maybe a nursing home. Uh, I knew a lady a few years ago, and, and she had this new tradition that she would go to nursing homes every Christmas Eve, all day long, and go into as many rooms as she could, and she'd read the Christmas story. That's awesome. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And she would spend some time, and she would maybe mm. bring some fruit or some candy or whatever, but just the joy that she brought in, into their lives every Christmas Eve. Um, it's also a time to maybe evangelize or share your faith. Invite others to maybe a Christmas Bible study in your neighborhood. Just you know, send out invitations to those in your neighborhood. Hey, I'm having a Christmas Bible study. You know, we're going to have some Q and A. Uh, we'd love for y'all to come and visit with us. We're going to have you know some eggnog. We're going to have you know some uh, music playing and we'll put a fire in the fireplace. But it is going to be a Christmas Bible study. There's always toy drives. There's always food pantries. There's always children's homes that you can help. There's always children's hospitals. But here's the point: when you make the season about selfless love. That's when you unleash the true purpose and power of Christmas. Mm. That's when you unleash what Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him doesn't perish but has everlasting life. That is the Christmas message. And when you have this selfless love and you share this selfless love in whatever capacity, in whatever way, to whatever level, to whatever degree, individually, with a group, etc., that is when you begin to... Do what Christmas, I will argue, is designed for, and that is to share the amazing love of our Savior to a world that needs to know God so loved the world. I don't know any better way to wrap up 
this episode than what you just said right there. I love it. Making the season about selfless love, the Christmas message is the gospel of Jesus. Yeah, and don't and don't put the pressure on yourself. Don't worry about performing. Just worry about serving. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you for joining us today, and thank you, Dr. Mark, Family Answer Man. Um, this is a great episode. I think a lot of good information. Also want to thank the people at Day's Smokehouse and Specialty Meats and Winter's Air for underwriting today's show. As a reminder, this is not a therapy session. Uh, this is not specific advice to your situation, um, but we do believe that mental health is a very serious issue and family dynamics can be and often are very complicated. So if you need in-depth answers or help, we encourage you to seek professional counsel specific to your unique circumstances. But we do hope that this episode of the Family Answer Man will encourage you and inspire you to make the changes that will lead to a stronger, healthier, and happier family.